My guest today is Dr. Gayatri Devi, a neurologist who is also board certified in psychology, pain medicine, behavioral neurology, and dementia. Dr. Devi is the author of a groundbreaking new book, The Spectrum of Hope, an optimistic and new approach to Alzheimer's disease and other dementias, in which she defines Alzheimer's disease as a spectrum disorder. In other words, a disease that affects each person differently. Grounded in science and Dr. Devi's more than two decades of hands-on experience as the director of New York Memory and Healthy Aging Services at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City, the book reveals that each Alzheimer's patient progresses differently and responds differently to treatment. In fact, with a treatment approach tailored to the individual, some patients may not only stave off deterioration, but actually improve. There are so many reasons. It's my pleasure to spend time talking with you today, Dr. Devi. Why do you think it's taken the medical community so very long to recognize that Alzheimer's is a spectrum disorder? Although it was defined over 110 years ago by Alois Alzheimer, there wasn't much real research in terms of looking at patients uh, in a clinical setting um, it, up, up until about 20 years ago. So I think we're now beginning to dis discover subtypes of Alzheimer's. We're finding out that there are patients with Alzheimer's who progress very rapidly. There are other people with Alzheimer's who progress very slowly. We find out that there are people with Alzheimer's who don't progress at all. We can, you know, we've discovered that there are people whose brains are completely riddled with the plaques and the tangles that you find in Alzheimer's disease, and they live to a ripe old age and die without any symptoms of cognitive issues. So we're, we're learning more and more about Alzheimer's as time goes on, um, and that's, I think, part of the reason why it's taken so long to, um, to come to the realization that Alzheimer's is just not a single illness, that it's an illness with multiple little, multiple different genes that cause it, multiple different risk factors can, that can exacerbate it or make it um, uh, progress more rapidly. And there are things that each of us can do to prevent getting it. 50% of Alzheimer's cases are preventable. When you say 50% of all Alzheimer's cases are preventable, can you extrapolate? So just by, you know, so we know that late onset Alzheimer's, which is Alzheimer's after the age of 65, is what's called a multifactorial disease, which basically means that while genes play a part, the part they play is not a, is not a big one. So you can have a pair of identical twins, both in their 80s, one of whom has Alzheimer's and the other not, because of difference in the environment difference in the, uh, the brain of the, the identical twin who had it versus the brain who does, the brain of the person who doesn't have it, even though their genetic makeup is completely the same. So late onset Alzheimer's disease, which is the most common type of Alzheimer's, um, can be prevented by very simple things. You control your risk for uh, diabetes, for high blood pressure, you exercise regularly every day. You, if you have depression, get treated for it. Uh, you make sure you eat a diet which is good for your heart and good for your brain, which is um, 
most of the time a Mediterranean diet. Um, you can also increase your intake of antioxidants, and there's some evidence now to show that uh, Indian diets, which are very high in curry, um, have a lot of antioxidants like uh, curcumin, for example, um, that's helpful in terms of keeping the brain healthy. Um, if you um, make sure you use alcohol in moderation, all those what are seemingly simple steps um, can help to prevent 50% of cases of late-onset Alzheimer's disease. I also wanted to um, ask you some questions that we get, we hear at our Fearless Caregiver conferences that we host around the country. What is the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? So dementia is an umbrella term. It means that the person's brain cells are dying. As a result of the brain cells dying, the person has difficulty with thinking. And it's um, a term that's used when the death of the cells cannot be stopped, when there is a presumption of progression of the symptoms, um, and it's not due to a treatable cause like an infection. Um, there are many different kinds of dementia. Vascular dementia from strokes is one type of dementia. Alzheimer's dementia is the most common type of dementia. There's dementia from Lewy bodies, dementia from um, infections of different kinds like mad cow disease. Um, but Alzheimer's is the most common type of dementia. How do your treatment plans differ from uh, general or other treatment plans for Alzheimer's and dementia? So my feeling is that every person with Alzheimer's disease is a person who has their own specific type of Alzheimer's because we each have a specific type of brain that's unique to us and Alzheimer's affects the brain. And because of that, I think any generality about Alzheimer's is going to be untrue. Alzheimer's is not a disease that affects the liver. The liver pretty much, you know, is relatively the same amongst individuals. Uh, it's a disease that affects the brain, which is always different between two different people. So what I try to do uh, is when I see someone who has cognitive issues that we've determined is consistent with Alzheimer's disease, is I look at the person themselves. What is What kind of work are they doing? What is their, what kinds of other medical problems do they have? What are their cognitive strengths? What are their cognitive weaknesses? And the idea then is to treat Alzheimer's in that particular person, which is going to be different from Alzheimer's in anybody else in the world. Um, so it's a very tailored approach. So for instance, if you are an engineer, um, and we see that you, your cognitive skills as far as visuospatial skills are very highly developed, but you're having trouble more with language skills. Even though you used to be an articulate engineer, it was not an area of strength. And we try to basically stimulate that part of the brain, keep that part of the brain more um, active, um, and in that way keep that person's Alzheimer's at bay for a longer period of time. Can you talk about some cases where you've seen your patients with Alzheimer's improve? I write about this in the book as well. You know, I've had patients with Alzheimer's who, after going on approved medication that's widely available that many people think don't work, 
Again, this is where it's important to think about Alzheimer's in a tailored way, that what works for one person doesn't necessarily work for another person. What doesn't work for one person doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to work for another person. So for, I have a patient who uh, I describe in the book who started seeing me when he was in his mid-70s, at which point he couldn't really write. He wasn't able to read very much. He was not interacting with his wife or his family. Uh, he was pretty much a shut-in. And just by putting him on medication and doing targeted brain exercises uh, designed to address his particular cognitive issues, he was then once again able to go on cruises with his wife. Um, he was able to participate with the family. He began to read. I remember he bought in um, a Chinese abacus um, to, to my office to show me how to use it. Um, he became a new man, uh, changed, uh, and actually there's a tape on B in the BBC on his progress uh, from a few years back because it was rather dramatic. And he stayed in that improved state for another six years before finally, in the last year of his life, um, becoming worse and then dying from, uh, from complications related to Alzheimer's. But he had six very good years where he and his wife traveled in fact, the year before he died, he went on a cruise to Norway with his wife and was able to come back and tell me about it. One of the other things that family members will ask us about is how they can recognize as soon as possible the signs of Alzheimer's or dementia in, in, in a loved one. What are those, some of those early warning signs? The early warning signs are as varied as the people who have the condition. Uh, it's just like some people with depression show their depression and they may get irritable and other people with depression start to cry and other people with depression get angry. So it's the same thing with brain disorders like Alzheimer's disease. Some people with Alzheimer's may just get more irritable. They may start to pick fights with their family members. Others may actually get more depressed because they notice there's a problem and um, they're not able to let people know because they're scared that they may have Alzheimer's. Other people may actually have the classic symptoms, you know, where they begin to forget things uh, or, or misplace things. And yet other people may have trouble finding words. You know, they start calling, you know, a key, that thing, that get me that thing. So they start to use um, general terms for a specific item. What medical professional do you think a caregiver needs to take their loved one to when they think they're seeing signs of onset of Alzheimer's dementia? I always think um, that the first person to go to is the internist. Um, oftentimes the internist has a relationship with the patient, um, but sadly and not uncommonly, um, the internist may not take the complaint seriously. Sometimes the family members may even be chastised as, you know, saying, you know, what are you concerned about? There's nothing wrong with the patient. Um, so in those instances where the, the patient feels like the internist is not taking the matter seriously or is not really willing to investigate further, then I think at that point they should seek out a geriatric psychiatrist a neurologist who specializes in aging, or a geriatrician. And these are the folks who usually have some experience with cognitive disorders and will be able to direct the patient to the right types of tests that need to be done. 
One of the things I find fascinating is that you often recommend your patients not tell anybody of their diagnosis. I think that Alzheimer's today is what AIDS and HIV were in the 90s and the 80s. It is a hugely stigmatized and misunderstood condition. I think people feel that if someone has Alzheimer's, they're not competent, that they may even not be worthy of being spoken to. Um, And sometimes it's not that. Sometimes um, people may want to treat the person with Alzheimer's differently. Um, I have a funny story. A patient of mine has Alzheimer's, and he was just out in New Hampshire for Christmas weekend with his family. And everyone in the family kind of treats him with kid gloves because he has Alzheimer's. Uh, but his his 12-year-old grandson doesn't yet know that he has Alzheimer's. He just thinks grandpa is being grandpa. And uh, he, he, he was... He was talking to his grandfather, and his grandfather repeated something, and he said to him, Grandpa, what's wrong with you? We just went over that before. You must be losing your mind. And then it was funny because he was treating his grandfather in a way, in a very normal way. And what was interesting about the story is that while the rest of the car froze up, all the other family members went, and held their breath, my patient the kid's grandfather started to laugh. And he said, yes, buddy, you're right. I think I am losing my mind. You know, in other words, he was being treated like an, an like you would joust or, or kid around with another person. So I think um, a lot of that gets lost, that, that human interaction, kind of a genuine interaction with another person gets lost either because people think that Alzheimer's patients are incompetent or they don't quite know how to behave around a patient with Alzheimer's. I say, you know, what I've learned from my practice, is you treat them as you would, you know, anyone else. When they repeat themselves, unless it's important for you to point it out, don't point it out. I mean, what's the point of it? Uh, But at the same time, if you have any problems that you want to discuss, or if you have a question you'd be interested in hearing what their answer is, go ahead and ask them. I think they appreciate it. So there are two aspects to it. One is how people treat the person with Alzheimer's, and the second is how the person with Alzheimer's begins to treat themselves based on how people treat them. So sometimes if people are treating you like you're an idiot, then it's hard for you to kind of maintain your sense of competency. What would be the one most important piece of advice that you'd like to leave a family caregiver with? Take heart. It's not that there are many types of Alzheimer's and hopefully your loved one has the kind that will be responsive to treatment. Also make sure to get help for yourself because the more help you get for yourself, the more help you're actually getting for your loved one. There is no boilerplate Alzheimer's patient, so there shouldn't be a boilerplate treatment plan. Yeah, that's definitely well put. Thank you for that.